Net-a-Porter presents The Incredible Women Podcast, Series 5, The Rule Breakers. I have my acne patches on, so I was like, I'd like to keep them on. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Most evenings I have mine on too, so don't worry. Like they're brand they're brand new. They just they're just getting to work. <laughs> Welcome to the new series of the Incredible Women podcast. This season, we're talking to women who are breaking the rules and really pushing boundaries. Consider them radicals or mavericks and prepare to be inspired by their vision. I'm Alice Casely Hayford, content director at Netta Porte. Encouraged to perform by her parents, Kiki Palmer began acting and singing as a little girl. At 10, she starred in Barbershop 2, Back in Business. And not long after, she was nominated for a prestigious Screen Actors Guild Award. She hit her stride as a Nickelodeon and Disney star before big roles in both Screen Queens and Hustlers. Fittingly, in one of her most recent projects, Nope by Jordan Peele, the film looks at the exploitative side of the entertainment industry and how it can chew people up and spit them out. With no desire to conform, Kiki is a self-titled big boss who walks to the beat of her own drum and is inspiring others to do the same. Hi, Kiki. Welcome. It is such a pleasure to be speaking with you today on our podcast. How are you doing? I'm so good. It's so good to speak with you. I'm so excited. This season, we're celebrating Rule Breakers, which we certainly think you are one. What does it mean to you? And would you consider yourself a Rule Breaker? Yeah, I think the Rule Breaking can mean a lot of things. I think for me, it means stepping out of the boxes that people put you in. Um, Not necessarily, quote unquote, breaking the rules uh, in a negative regard and, you know, whatever that means, but just in general, like doing the things that people said were impossible. So yeah, I definitely think that I'm a rule breaker. What's a rule that you've refused to live by? Man, um, that I think a rule I refuse to live by is that like no means I'm not good enough. Like I think the concept of what no means for me is very, very broad. It either means not right now or um, there's something better or, you know, it it just doesn't mean that I'm not the one or I'm not it or I'm not good enough. So I think for me, like I refuse to follow the the rules as far as what like no means or where no is concerned. Um, I don't allow it to define my future. Mm hmm. I think that's such a valuable lesson. I think you have some so much wisdom for someone still pretty young. And I think a lot of that must come from being in the public eye or in the entertainment industry from a very young age. Yeah, I think so. Definitely. Um, and then also experiencing like a lot of tough things like rejection. I think experiencing rejection really early um, and, and having a great a support system and a mom who helped me to reframe things. I think like reframing is one of my best tools in life is like I'm constantly reframing and that comes from me trying to survive an industry that can be quite vain or critical or just just the business you know it really and I think um it's hard for a kid to understand it's hard for adults to understand but it's something that I think has helped me mentally you know because I refuse to 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 be broken the entertainment industry, as, as you've, you've mentioned, is a pretty frightening place, especially for a young person. And I think there are so many things that you've taught kind of uh, emerging stars on how to reframe your thinking and how to how to deal with it. But you're also such an incredible 
multi-hyphenate, a slashy, some may say, um, with so many different strings to your bow. When was it that you realised that you wanted to push against sort of just being put in one box or being typecast and that you wanted to enter lots of different industries? You know, I think my mom, my mother's love will make you just do incredible things. And I think my mother's love for me and for, like, she always encouraged me and always would say, like, girl, you can do whatever that you want to do. You can be, look, you're a Vaughn villain. You know people like Judy Garland. You know people like Sammy Davis Jr. You know these kind of people. You're that kind of entertainer. I know there's not a lot in your era, in your time, but you are one of those people. So you got to just do all of it. And, you know, when your mother is telling you stuff like that at such a young age, it doesn't really matter what boxes or what, you know, I didn't start realizing there were boxes and stuff like that that I would have to, you know, uh, break out of or or help other people to understand not to put me in until years later after I'd already been doing it. And I do think growing up forming within the Disney world and the Nickelodeon world, those also gave me encouragement as it pertained to be a multi-hyphenate because it's almost like within those worlds, you had to be a multi-hyphenate. It wasn't until I became an adult that I started to realize that people wanted to kind of box you into one thing. But like as a kid entertainer, they needed you to sing and dance and act and do (laughs) everything. Um, And so I think I really also benefited from that. But yeah, I think, you know, I had a lot of support and the way that I was trained as an entertainer through those different corporations and my mom's background in musical theater kind of just made me see it all, all encompassing. You just mentioned then that it wasn't something that you recognize as a child about how limiting or how people can perceive you and put you into certain boxes. When did you have that realization? Was there a specific encounter or certain kind of men in suits who made you realize a certain thing? When when did you have that? Probably around the age of 12 or 13, which obviously I know you're probably thinking, well, you was a kid still. But by that time, I had already been performing for about three years or so. It wasn't until then that I started to realize, oh, okay, people have a hard time kind of understanding what it means to be a, a, a more more than one thing. For many years, I took it personally until I realized that they just don't know how to support it. It's like having a job and assuming that everybody at the job knows how to do their job. They don't. And I think as a kid, that's something that you take really personally. I, you even take it personally as an adult because you're creative and you feel like everybody should get it. And you assume that people working in these creative places, they of all people would get it. That's something that I learned, uh, you know, fairly early on, just because I started so young, is that everybody's not going to know how to present you to the world. And that's ultimately these people's jobs, especially as it pertains to the music industry, you know, or any of these kinds of things where people are trying to help establish a brand everybody's not good at it. Everybody doesn't know how to get you there. And that's why it's so important for you to know how to get yourself there. Because even if somebody does know how to get you there, it doesn't mean that it's going to be the most accurate expression of you. That brings me nicely onto such a huge topic that I want to talk to you about is your candor and authenticity and how you present yourself to the world, because you give a lot of yourself away. And even just having spoken to you for a few minutes, I love your humor and your vibrance and how much of yourself you seem to give away. It may not be the true Kiki, but at least that it feels incredibly authentic to all of us. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Is that so important to you? 
it is. It is important to me. But it's also important to me as I've gotten older to, like you said, reserve spots for myself. Um, I think I do share 100% my authentic self. I have so many parts of me. The main one you guys see is the chatty one, the extra one, the one that's kind of always giving, um, obviously, because I am a performer and that's a part of my craft and my skill. And it's also a very real part of my personality. It's it's like a skill that was created through growing up. You know what I mean? Just the personality trait uh, or and I think all human beings are made up of defense mechanisms. We call them personalities, but they're really like how we survive this world. And I think mine was a bit performative in nature and was also a way or, or quality that guided me to my career um, and my passion. So I'm grateful for that. But then there's also another side of me that's just very much, I don't even want to say reserved, but yeah, I guess reserved in ways, very to herself, you know, and, and into the very, very simple things. And I think that that's something that can clash quite a lot with my industry because there's such a big part of my industry that's about flexing and selling a uh, image. You know, you're selling a lifestyle or personality or what, whatever. Maybe you're selling something that doesn't always feel like me. I don't really try to feed into that aspect of the industry. And that's something that I've really, over the years, throughout just being in the industry for so long, I had to identify as, ah, that's what I don't love, you know, or, oh, that's what I kind of have to watch out for, that kind of aspect of the entertainment industry. In terms of preserving that some of those parts of yourself that are more private and protecting your mental health first and foremost and also just setting boundaries because I remember you tweeted and then you shared it on Instagram about um, a mega fan who approached you in a restaurant or something and you know Mm -hmm. a few times you said you know sorry not today and yet they persisted in taking a picture and then you still handled it beautifully and you smile and nervously laugh about it because it's also then if I react wrongly then this is captured for the world to see how do you navigate all of those different situations and and still obviously retain that professionalism and that compassion but also protect yourself first and foremost it takes a lot of self-control it really really does because honestly everybody is human everybody's gonna you know have a reaction and it's traumatic right it was traumatic for me as a kid I think I went through a lot of traumatic experiences with the whole fame thing and the pressure of it and the responsibility of it and always trying to be perfect all the time and just don't want to let my parents down. You know, all these different things that just as a kid, you don't normally think about. You, you're free to make mistakes and stuff. And I think that in a lot of ways, even though that can seem sad, it kind of also helped me, you know, as, a, as an entertainer in this era where everything is filmed even more so. Like as a kid, didn't everybody, nobody was filming everything on their phones like this. But I think because of those experiences, it's helped me at this era and stage I am in my career and just in this lifetime to kind of have an extreme level of patience and, um, you know, where those kinds of things are concerned. But I'll be honest, I also just, you know, it makes you be more conscious of where you want to go and where you want to be and how long you want to be there. You know, sadly to say, I mean, I'm not Michael Jackson, but when you think about the stories you used to hear about Michael Jackson having to go out with, you know, body suits on and crazy. I mean, it's it's a part of the career and the job. And so it's like, you know, sometimes, yeah, you do just got to stay out the way or go to particular places, you know, go to the Soho house where no pictures are possible. You know, you kind of have to become more creative. If you don't want to deal with that and you don't want to have to have an outburst, you do have to limit sometimes your surroundings because you can't control people. It's your new life. It's your new normal. I know my experience as a black woman 
I feel that I'm often judged on a different level and I have to go harder, better, smarter than maybe some of my peers because of my experience. Do you feel that that's the case for you? Yeah, I think it is the case for me as a black person, as a woman. So I think it's on so many levels that I feel it, especially like the the racial ones or like sexist ones and things like that. Like it's not even something that I actively am conscious of, but I think it's something that I probably just culturally carry. It's ancestral probably on 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 some level. So it's not even something I have to think about. I think it's just like, it's a way that I grew up. But in terms of having been in the industry for approaching, you know, 20 years, Do you feel that as a black woman, your opportunities or opportunities for your peers have broadened and that the industry is definitely moving in the right direction? I mean, obviously, we'll come to Jordan Peele and your amazing project shortly, but I think it has been very exciting to see not only the shift on screen um, of more opportunities for people of colour, but certainly behind the camera in terms of the directors and the producers that are finally getting the recognition. Is, Is that something that you've observed? I think so, for sure. And I think a lot of that has come from like, you know, like you're saying, just like times and more doors being open. And with more doors being open, there's also more information being shared in terms of certain people not having the same access to the same information. Because if they then did, then it would be an even playing field. And I think what we're seeing now is more people of color, uh, women, et cetera, being able to access the same information that everyone else has been able to access. And through that, being able to make conscious decisions for their career that allow them to be in the places and the rooms that they weren't able to be in before. Because if I don't know anything about a publicist, you might assume that that's why, you know, you might assume that my name's not everywhere because of other reasons. But no, it's because I didn't know that a publicist existed and I didn't know that's what everybody else was doing. Or you might not know that the reason why I'm not here or there is because I don't know that this is political and I have to play this game in order to get into this room. And so I I really love being able to share that information with my peers that while yes, you're up against so many things as a black person, as a woman is what, you know, it just who you identify as and what kind of minority groups that puts you in. The main thing that it stops you from having is access to information. And so the more that we can share the information, the more that I'm able to share the information that I've learned from being in the kind of rooms I've been in, um, especially as it pertains to social media and and, um, leveraging digital relevancy and being able to transfer that traditionally, the more that we all are able to just get it, get it, get it, get it, get it, you know. You do use your platforms quite a lot to discuss pertinent topics and I think that really pertains as well to Jordan Peele's note which you've just starred in which was an absolutely phenomenal project for those who might not have seen it do you mind telling us a little bit about that and how it tackles or looks at some of the kind of undercurrents of the entertainment industry yeah I think in a lot of ways nope is an ode to the entertainment industry but like to the more practical version of it you know that is just based in kind of true stories strong narratives classic westerns brother and sister stories you know steven spielberg era you know jaws thinking of what those kinds of films meant that yes were horror and yes had thrilling aspects but at the at the truth of it were just like you know coming of age stories and come in and also like finding yourself stories um you know, that have true heart at the middle. And I think that Nope um, was an ode to that in a lot of ways, while also speaking to the contradictory nature of filmmaking and being in the eyes of the beast, uh, so to speak, and being 
wanting to be seen and wanting to be in front of the camera and wanting people to notice you, but not really notice how much of it is stealing from you. Like, you know what I mean? Like we don't realize in this social media age how much these moments that we're capturing are actually stealing the moment. How in the moment can you be if you're always trying to capture it? You know, you're not actually, you know, if I meet, if I meet, we can even talk about it in terms of like celebrity. If I'm meeting a celebrity, am I really getting the most out of scenario by just getting a picture or would I get more by talking to them and, and experiencing the moment? And I think Nope, in many ways, is about kind of that that zeitgeist that we're all kind of trapped in um, with all of this access, um, you know, and, and how it's changed our industry, whether it be from film to digital and how that access has changed the way that we make films and the quality of films in which we make. I think all of those messages are, are twiddled inside of Nope, um, as well as Black Legacy. And what we consider legacies in our community that maybe have not hit, hit mainstream or maybe don't mean much to others, but they mean something to you. Again, tying into what validation really is and how how much value we should actually put on it. Um, just all of those different things and, and told through the story of two siblings who discover something in the sky that they want to capture. One for superficial reasons and the other out of just genuine curiosity um, and how they, through that journey, discover and learn more about themselves, about their family, about their legacy. Um, yeah. And I get to play one of the siblings alongside of uh, Daniel Kluya. And speaking of Daniel Kluya and Jordan Peele, they're both incredible rule breakers in terms of the stories that they choose to tell and how they're just shaking up Hollywood. What was it like working with them both? Great. As good as you would think it would be. Honestly, as good as you would think it would be. Honestly, incredible. Like, I love them both. They're both so open, smart, and just truly artists. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can nerd out on the whole acting thing and the like, if you know me and you're around me, then you, and especially if you work with me, you will know how deep it is to me, like how much it means to me. And I can be quite silly and goofy and, you know, I don't take myself too seriously, but I do take the art very seriously. It's just so awesome to work with people that feel the same way, but are still quite casual about it. But it's like when it's time to say action, when we get into it, it's like, yes. And we just feel it and we just go there. And it's, it's just an awesome feeling. Gosh, I'd have loved to have been a fly on the wall on that set. But speaking of rule breakers, are there any other people? You mentioned your mom, who's been an incredible inspiration to you. But throughout your career, you've worked with lots of other greats. Have there been anyone else whose way of working or their approach, which might have been slightly non-conformative? Is there anyone who else who's inspired you? I mean, really tons of people that I worked with. Um, Angela Bassett, Samuel Jackson... Queen Latifah, William H. Macy. I really have seen so much from so many different types of entertainers that all have impressed me and, and blown me away and given me something to take with me. I mean, Lawrence Fishburne, you know, I've always learned something that really has made me the performer that I am today. If you're enjoying this episode, please check out more great conversations from our four previous Incredible Women series. To thank listeners, we're offering first-time customers 10% off their first Net-A-Porter order. Just enter the code RULEBREAKERS at the checkout. T's and C's and exclusions apply. 
And in terms of the future in your career, I know that you're working on Big Boss. Not everyone will know exactly what that is. Are you able to share a little bit about that documentary that you're working on and what it means to you and what the idea of a Big Boss is? Yes, yeah, so I was able to write and direct my first piece, which is Big Boss. And it is kind of like in a lot of ways, you know, musical theater-esque, but also just a narrative following my story of finding myself, also supported through my music. And it's just honestly a story about becoming who I've always wanted to be and who I've always been. And just in a lot of ways, a sense of a testimony of some of those steps and some of those experiences that it took to get me there. Um, and that the real fight, it's always really against ourselves and what we put ourselves through and put ourselves in to prove ourselves. That really all comes down to us not feeling enough inside. And so when we get to the point of understanding that, I think life becomes a lot easier. We start to realize that we don't have to validate ourselves through things or through people or through accolades, but that all that really matters is how we view ourselves. And when we view ourselves high and all we care about is how we feel about ourselves, obviously not without, you know, family and friends and you don't want to be an asshole, but, you know, when we realize that our opinions of ourselves count the most, that's when we're really able to accomplish all the things. You spoke then about kind of some pivotal experiences or moments in your life where you've had that realization. Are you able to share any of those specifics in your career where you've had that pivotal moment and overcome those challenges that have been really formative? I think it's interesting. I think within acting, I never had a lot of those feelings. I mean, I think every now and then it could feel this way, but I think more than anything, I used to feel that a lot in the music space. Um, And so I think it was just situations, putting myself in dangerous situations, um, feeling like I had to go to certain parties or be at certain events or be around certain people, uh, you know, or work with certain people, um, you know, to be able to break into the space, look a certain way or, you know, just expose myself to to people and things that don't really align with who I am entirely. Um, and I think that you know, I also experienced that in natural life, you know, um, like just relationships, friendships, um, you know, things like that as well. Just people and things that didn't really serve me, but served the idea that I wasn't good enough. So I think it was like a lot of things that would mirror the, you need to prove yourself um, vibe. Um, and that that came in mostly, like I said, music space and then just personal life. But it's interesting because in acting, I don't know why I never, I never felt that way, which is always something so interesting to me. Um, in that space. And I think it also comes from like, I just had a different experience with acting that I never had with music. I think music, the industry of music has always been a little harsher. Um, And I do think, although that I'm saying I never experienced that in acting, it doesn't mean I didn't experience hardship in acting because I did. I just never questioned it. I never questioned if I was good enough. Um, which again, I think the journey of music was a lot personal because it was my first love. Acting was something I never expected to be good at. Um, but music was something that I always was like, this is some, this is the main thing I can do. Um, this is the thing that I always was known to do most as a kid and growing up. That was the first talent or gift that I had. And so to experience so much negativity with it in the industry, I think that that 
really challenged my view of self. Will you be able to create more space? Because obviously you've had amazing acting projects recently, but will you be able to create more space for you to pursue your first love again um, in a bigger way? Yes, totally. And that's why I'm so excited about, you know, creating Big Boss because what it really says or what it really has become and meant to me is that I can do it my own way. And I think that you you assume so many people didn't want me to do it my own way. Um, And I always felt like I had to do it their way. But I realized that I don't, you know what I mean? And that has given me so much freedom. Um, and I, I learned that through obviously these hardships, but also through what I was able to accomplish with acting um, and, and taking what I knew traditionally and being able to evolve that within my own hands digitally. Um, I'm able to then take that same ideal and that same ideology of being that boss and, and doing the same thing with music. Well, I think that's what's so exciting is that you're absolutely smashing it, but on your own terms. And that's why we were so desperate to have you on this podcast as a rule breaker, because that's what you're truly doing. And as you said, it's so liberating when you have, and I think it comes with age, but that realization or acknowledgement that I can say no, and I don't have to do things that way if it doesn't feel good for me. Um, I don't have to go to that event. I don't need to work with this person and you can carve out your own path. And that's what you're doing so brilliantly. Thank you. It's so true though. It's so true. It's so crazy how that is. And you realize that it's like, it's going to be good. It's going to be okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, I'm going to figure out my way. Well, with so much going on, you, you know, you have so many incredible projects going on at any one time. How do you switch off? What, what are your favorite, um, in the kiki downtime, what what do you get up to? Love going to the movies. Love hanging out with friends. And just do you like, go in a costume? Say it again. Do you no, go, I don't. You go don't. as you. I go as me, but I I don't necessarily dress up. Yeah, it's so funny when people see me out. Sometimes they'll be like, "Look at you trying to be incognito." And I'm like, <laughs> "No, this is my normal appearance. <laughs> this is my normal attire." Like, unfortunately, I'm not always hair and makeup out. <laughs> I'm not always wearing, sometimes I walk out, I'm looking like Wayne's World. <laughs> that is my genuine vibe. Um, so most people don't notice me because they're expecting me to look like a celebrity, you know. But when I do go out and I do dress up, then that is something I have to think about. But luckily, movie theaters are, you know, dark and no one's trying to talk. You know, everybody's just trying to watch, you know. But I love going to the movies. I love going to the drive-in um, specifically. Like, I love, like, ex- different movie going experiences like mm-hmm. I go to boat cinema rooftop cinema like I love all that um and then I like also being at home with my family playing like spades um we love playing card games but I'll be honest I am that kind of person that it, I realize that I am a little bit like all I do is watch movies <laughs> I really realize that <laughs> no but that's a good I balance realize that all I do is watch movies documentaries tv shows like it seems like that's all my life is made up of no, well, you got to do you. But I think there's a good balance. You know, you, yesterday, I think it was like the Vogue World event. So that's amazing that you can straddle both. You can be glamorous front row at like the most glamorous event of the year. And then you're chilling, playing cards with your family the next night. That's awesome. Yes. Obviously, next year you'll be turning 30, which is a very exciting mm-hmm. milestone. What are you hoping to achieve in your 30th year? And beyond that, do you have major hopes and plans and ambitions for the next decade of your life? Man, I'm really excited in my 30th year to, you know, and I use this word lightly because I'm still learning myself. Obviously, this doesn't, 
I think I can be this or or be this to someone while still being a student regardless, but like more mentorship, more entrepreneurship, things that are even more behind the scenes than in front of the camera. I think that's something that I'm really looking forward to and very, very excited about. As I get into my 30s, more time for family and, you know, more of a personal life. Um, I think I've sacrificed so much of that by being a performer in, in, in front of the camera in that regard, which I'll always do and love, but I'm very excited about that transition as well. Um, but still being able to be a, a storyteller um, just from a different different viewpoint. We can't wait to see all that's in store. But um, you just touched upon as well entrepreneurship and mentorship. You do commit a lot of your time to philanthropy. Is that integral to you in terms of giving back? I think so. I think it came from like a young age, like um, after Killing a Bee, I think Killing a Bee and, and that film and what that film gave to me, you know, professionally and personally, put me in a position to to feel like I have to share and I have to share what I've learned and and um, what I've been able to accomplish so that other people can do it. It's like what we we're talking about in the beginning of this conversation is we have to share the information. That's what's kept us out of the doors more than anything. It hasn't been the color of the skin in terms of like our capabilities or, you know, not, not, our, not our talent, not our sex, not our gender, not, you know, whatever it may be. Really, it's been not being able to have access to the same information. And so for me, it's about sharing that information as much as I can. And my mom just taught me that. Obviously, we, we're from the Midwest. We didn't come from a lot. I, I grew up in a very loving home, but like we didn't have a lot financially. Um, and so my parents were also very big in terms of like using your platform for more than just, you know, it, it ain't just for you. You know what I mean? What you learn and what you have and the resources you've been giving, you got to share that. Um, and so that's just been a part of like the way I grew up, very community based. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's why I feel this way. I think I've been able to accomplish a lot and I'm very happy to be able to accomplish a lot. And I feel very fulfilled, but it does get to a point where it's like, OK, it, you know, it, 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 it can't just be me. You know what I mean? Like I there's only so much I can I can hold. You know what I'm saying? Like I feel like I'm always throwing stuff out, you know, because I can't hold it all. So, uh, you know, I think that's what also excites me is that I want to share it. Totally. Well, knowledge is power and it is so kind and amazing that you share so much of yours. And that brings me on nicely to my final question, which is who you speaking of discovering kind of the future talent who you're going to pass on the baton to. Are there any young rule breakers who are really exciting you or talent of tomorrow that we should keep an eye on? I think the ones that I'm talking about probably, you know, I, you know, haven't been found yet per se. Like I have, I, you know, I think that they're probably you know, we talk about don't have access. They probably genuinely don't don't have access. But I think in terms of like people that I'm seeing breaking the rules and doing incredible things like I love Chloe and Hallie. I love them. I mean, I really love them. I think that they're so awesome and cool. And when I seen that um, Little Mermaid trailer, that was just too much to handle. I was really tearing up like that was honestly it was like on some like type of vibe, like Whitney Houston type vibe. When I heard Whitney Houston do the Prince of Egypt with Mariah Carey type of thing, like that really was moving. <laughs> I'm serious. And it was so funny because I saw a little video of a little girl, a little Southern girl watching the commercial or the trailer. And her mom is like watching her watch it, like filming it. And she's like, is it just me? Is it just me or that sound like Whitney Houston? <laughs> Sweet. 
<laughs> and she's like five years old. Oh my god! And I'm like, yes, like that's. And we say Whitney Houston not because Holly doesn't sound like herself, but because you hearing somebody truly gifted totally. on the track, totally. doing a song. Like it's like all things are aligned. Yeah, everybody yeah. is where they should be. Totally, and it's just like. You get what I'm saying? Totally. Like, I cannot wait to see that movie. Yeah, I got lost in a TikTok wormhole of young black girls reacting to the trailer. And I was like crying my eyes out. I think it's so exciting Literally. to see a new... They should have had my old butt being like, I know I'm not five. But <laughs> I'm not a real little girl, but I'm still a little girl. <laughs> no, it's, it's incredibly moving. Cannot wait for that film. And it's just really exciting to see amazing talent changing the face of Hollywood you leading the charge of that and you certainly are a rule breaker and we're so grateful for all that you do so thank you so much and thank you for joining me today thank you so much thank you the rule breakers was brought to you by Netta Porte and Chalk and Blade hosted by Netta Porte's content director Alice Casely Hayford and fashion director Kay Barron the team at Netta Porte was Katie Barrington as the senior editor with casting by Annabelle Brog and Olivia Wakefield, and coordination by Erin Shanahan. The producer at Chalk and Blade was Fatuma Keira, and the managing producer was Laura Hyde. Original music by Alexis Adimora, and the series was mixed by Nasson De Silva. Enter the code RULEBREAKERS at the checkout for 10% off your first Net-A-Porte order. T's and C's and exclusions apply. To make sure you hear all the episodes, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information, go to netaporte.com.